0: And welcome to SCL, the Subject Composition and Light Photography Podcast. This is episode two hundred and forty-four, recorded on the seventh of November, two thousand and fourteen. It's approximately quarter to five in the evening here in Gosport, in the UK. And this is my little audio diary about my journey through the wonderful world of photography. So here we go. This week's episode. What we're we going to talk about? Well, I thought I would uh, sneak in a quick. Christmas wish list because the holiday season is coming up pretty fast, and now's the time to get your um, hints and tips into your loved ones to say, you know, this is what I, uh, this is what I fancy before they go and buy you something that you didn't really want. A um, little bit of a discussion, raw versus JPEG. Uh, recently, have I done the video yet? I've recorded a video about it, but I thought it might be fun to talk about it on the podcast as well. Um, which is the best file format for when you're uh, recording your stills and um, we've got a new photo assignment for November which will be kept in the dark night photography so what have I been in, been up to over the last two weeks well I've just been working all the time I've just worked I think I've worked 14 days in a row yes been really really busy but anyway so I've, I haven't really done that much in terms of photography but I've been looking at lots of images uh, looking at the photo books, listening to lots of podcasts. i tell you who I've been listening to recently and watching on YouTube, who I think is pretty good, is a guy called Tony Northrup. Um, and yeah, he's a really nice guy and he does these great uh, videos on um, on YouTube and he does these great tests as well. I think he's a, he's a little bit too... goes into a little bit too much detail, I think, about the differences between sensors and lenses and things. But... If you really want to know in real life situations what the difference is between like a 7D Mark II and a 7D or you know different lenders and stuff like that, he gives real world opinions about it and backs it up with proper evidence as well, which I think is quite um is quite good. And I've learnt a few things off him as well about how he tests. Um, I think he's a bit of a pixel peeper, but kind of when you watch Tony's videos when he is reviewing things, you kind of I don't know, I come to the clu- conclusion that with modern DSLRs, if you want to know what is the difference between a Nikon, whatever, and a Canon and a Sony, you read the only way of telling the difference these days is by pixel peeping because they're all so good. By going into, um, you know, beyond 100%, going into 200% and 400% to see the difference. Um, but I, I, his videos are really enjoyable. His his Mrs. Chelsea Northrop is really funny as well, and it's great because he's kind of the straight guy. You know, with all the te- technical stuff, and she puts all the uh, the funny quips in, and uh, yeah, they're a great team. I Really recommend them. So yeah. Anyway, so Christmas wish list. So if you were to say to me, okay, Rob, if you were to put together a letter for Santa Claus, what would you have? Well, I think probably the first thing that I would want for Christmas is, funny enough, something. I guess it's related to photography, but I really want a video constant light setup. Um, you can get them on eBay quite cheap for about 135 pounds, and they do these three light setups, which and each light has five, five um, halogen, not halogen, uh, fluorescent, you know, low energy bulbs, daylight balance ones on. So you get kind of two soft boxes on normal stands with five bulbs in each one, and then a soft box on a boom. Because if you've watched my videos on YouTube, you'll know that I struggle with color, and I struggle with lighting. Now, recently probably over the last couple, um, they're getting better. But I think I still struggle with the fact that I don't have enough light. And what that means is I I don't get the color quite right. And the big thing I've learned about trying to record video is that unless you get the color really good at point of capture, it's very difficult to get it back in terms of skin tones and things. And I've also done a lot of research on how to make the videos look a little bit better, basically by using a a three-point lighting setup where you have a main light, Um, a fill light or a reflector and then you have um, like a rim light or a hair light as well and I'm kind of doing that at the moment with the setup for recording the videos where I have um, I've gone back to using a 500 watt halogen lamp basically like a work lamp with a white umbrella or shoot through umbrella in front of it and then I have a reflector on the other side of me and then behind me I've actually started using two lamps that we have that I never used to have turned on in the videos but now I turn them on and I tip the shades a little bit so some of the light from them spills over onto my shoulders and and the back of my head to give me a little bit of a rim light but anyway I figure if I had a nice softbox with you know uh, five bulbs in in each one, then that might improve the colour. Can actually get skin tone that looks human. Human, so that would be cool. Um, and what else would I wish for for Christmas? Oh, Canon's 10 to 18 super wide lens that um, is out. The FS one that has got lots of good reviews. I haven't got a super wide, and uh, 10 millimetres on a crop sensor body like my 600D T3I is incredibly wide so that would be a very interesting um they've also got canon have also got a 24 mm pancake lens coming out an efs one which looks very interesting i think it's it might even be out today i'm sure i said saw on amazon that it was coming out on the 7th of november but that would be really good as well because although i love the 40 mm pancake and i do most of my videos inside with the 40 mm 2.8 it is a bit telephoto if are just walking around and a twenty-four millimeter pancake lens would be great on an EFS body because you know times that by 1.6 and you've got you know 40 millimeters, haven't you? 24 to twelve. Yeah, so um it would be it would be a good walk around lens and it would make my six hundred D T3i really small. Um and it looks like the the list price for those is about £180, so maybe a bit cheaper when it actually comes to sale um another kind of 600d T three related thing would be a battery grip because i haven't got a battery grip for it and um, you can put them for, up for about 30 quid on ebay um not that i really use battery grips but i like to have one because i think i've discussed this in in podcasts in the past it gives your camera a lot longer life if you've got a battery grip because when your um uh, generic batteries go Sorry, the specific batteries for your camera. It means that you can just use double A's in, uh, in battery grips, so that's really good. I think I'd also look at a couple of books. Um, street photography-wise, Gary Winogrand is somebody I want to study more and, and get to enjoy their photographs, and he's got a book on Amazon called San, about his San Francisco Museum of Modern Art uh, exhibition. It's quite expensive, it's about £50, pounds, but apparently he's got lots of his best photos in, and um, I, might go for, I, I might go for a different one but we'll, we'll have to see. I don't know which is his recommended book to, to show most of his back catalogue. Also, a book by Rankin, because the British photographer, um, because I, I enjoy his photogra- photographs, especially his portrait style, very modern, very in-your-face, um, and he's got a book called Beautiful that's only a tenner, um, and it's got lots of his uh, portraits of women in, so that should be pretty cool. Um... What other things might I wish for Christmas? Oh, GoPro Hero. Yes, they're about £100. Or one of the older 3 Pluses, I don't know, like the Silver, which is about £200. Not that I do any action sports, um, but I don't know. It would be <laughs> Maybe I'd take up action sports if I had a GoPro. I guess what I... I don't know. Maybe I don't want to go. What I really need is a little camera that I can put on a little... A gorilla pod or something like that. So when I'm out and about recording videos or doing stills, I can wrap it around a tree or something and then just do some recording to camera that way. I, I, Think about that. It can't really be a GoPro because GoPros don't have screens. I'd really need something with a flip-out screen so I can flip the screen towards me um, so I can like frame myself and make sure everything's everything's straight. At the moment, I use my phone um, and I use the, the front-facing camera that's the same side as the screen, and that's great. But it's a bit difficult to attach it to things. You've got to kind of lean it against um, walls or wrap vines around it and, it. and it can be difficult. But, yeah, I guess that would be good. So, I don't know. There's some ideas for Christmas. We're pretty pretty skint at the moment. So, I won't actually be getting any of those. But they can come on my photography wish list um, for the next year or so. Oh, one thing I wanted to mention as well was, you know, we are running into the end of the year. So, it's time to think about rounding off any projects you've uh, planned for this year you know we're running out of time there's only yeah, a couple of months left and especially here in the UK the weather's starting to get really bad so there's less opportunities to go out I think my photo projects have kind of gone all right this year kind of gone okay I've, I've taken quite a few photos around places like Portsmouth and Gosport um, on the A32 I've really enjoyed Exploring some different local areas, like my trips to the historic duckyard, going around the Victory and the Warrior and the Explosion Museum, and exploring those areas, and so that's gone good. Um, I've spent a lot less time this year going through and picking my favourite photographs from the year. I, I really haven't done any of that at all. I've just uploaded what I think are my the best ones from each shoot, and then I've. um kind of put them up on Flickr, but normally I then go through them again, the ones that are, I've uploaded and put them into uh, I call it Rob's I think I call it Rob Nunn's slideshow or something, which is kind of my best of best. And then from that at the end of the year, I go through and pick even few, like a top ten for two thousand and fourteen. So I really need to crack on and start picking some favourites so I can come up with a top ten. I think what I have done this year, I've I've recorded and learnt an awful lot about video. I've at the beginning of the year, getting the 600D, um, Christmas 2012, it was 12, wasn't it? 2013, sorry, Christmas 2013, getting the 600D with the video capabilities that that camera had, and it kind of spurred me on to record lots of videos for YouTube, and I've enjoyed that enormously, and I've learnt a lot about trying to record better looking videos. I still, I still think I'm a long way off, but I enjoy the process of recording them and sharing them. So. I think what I'm going to be doing on that front for 2015 will be... I'm going to think about redoing the com website. <laughs> I don't think it's changed since 2008. Um, but I'm on Squarespace, so it's fairly easy to get another template. It will always be a, based around... And what I do, I think, is always based around sharing what I learn and what I know rather than using my website and YouTube presence to get work as a photographer because that's not what I am. You know, I'm an amateur. I take photos because I enjoy taking photos. I don't think I'm good enough to be a professional. Um and I don't know if I'd want to be a professional photographer. I don't think I've got the I don't think I'm brave enough to be honest to, to be a professional photographer. But I enjoy taking photos, pictures of things that catch my eye, learning new stuff and then sharing that with everybody. And I think the the website and YouTube, they definitely reflect that. But the that's definitely the website is very sort of early 2000s still. Um, it, it's a real blog blog and, I, and it needs to uh, needs to look a little bit more modern, I think. So I'll be looking at that, maybe also going on some photo walks a little bit further afield. I've got to get up to London and other big cities around here, you know, I'll do Basingstoke, Reading, London, I don't know, Bath, Bristol, you know, just get on the train, get down to these places and, uh, and take some photographs of, of Britain. And I don't know, maybe even going on a day trip, over to france um, you can get coach trips to things like paris really cheap or on the uh, on the train so that would be fantastic i um, want to hit some air shows next year as well i think having that vulcan flyby earlier on in the year uh, just really turned me on to doing some some of, sort of that type of photography uh, because it's uh, so so exciting so you know send me an email go and robina put some comments or in the Flickr group uh, make some comments about what your how your projects are going and what you're planning maybe for 2015. I think I'm going to I'll do another podcast before the turn of the year in a little bit more detail about what my plans are going to be for 2015 kind of share that with some maybe give some inspiration to everybody else as well about just planning you know what what you uh, think you uh, want to achieve next year and looking back on and what we kind of have achieved uh, this year. So, RAW versus JPEG, the big one. The debate about RAW versus JPEG, the argument between using unblemished data straight from your camera sensor or the compressed adjusted file from your camera's image sensor. The pros and cons of using the oversized, overhyped maybe, RAW or the much maligned JPEG. Let's talk turkey and maybe we can decide which one is best. First up, RAW. RAW files are the unprocessed data straight from your camera sensor with no white balance, sharpening, picture styles, and most importantly, they've got no compression added. But the problem is you must remember that a RAW file has to be post-processed. You have to work on it in Lightroom, Aperture, Picasa, Photoshop, otherwise it will look flat and boring. Now. Some people refer to raw as a digital negative, comparing it, you know, with the old days of film. But that isn't strictly true, as film negatives, or well, film itself, whether it be positive or negative film, slide film or print film, they were designed to get different looks. You know, if you bought Kodachrome or a Fuji film, a Provia or a Sensia, that you would get different um, contrast, different colours, different colour cast, different tones. Um, whereas with raw files you don't get that they're just flat. So the, the, the kind of warning about shooting raw is that when you start you may be disappointed with the look of your photos and wonder why. After you've been out shooting and you've been looking at the cameras on the back of the photos on the back of your camera that you know they look great, and then when you get home and you put them put them on your laptop or your computer, you're like, wait a minute, these look these look rubbish. <laughs> and that's because when you take a take a raw photo when your camera saves it, it actually embeds a jPEG into the raw files, which it uses for the preview on the back of your camera and it apply picture style sharpening you know contrast, and all that stuff to that so it's really important that when you get home, you know you do add the post processing now raw files are also considerably bigger than jpegs um, they take long to process and they definitely slow your camera down they fill your buffer up quicker. Um, so, you know, why on earth would you want to use them? I guess, well, in reality, the answer is that the data contained in them can be extraordinary because there's no compression um, and uh, there's so much detail in the shadows and highlights that you might be able to see straight away. But when you use those sliders in Lightroom or Picasso or Photoshop, you'll see all this detail coming out. Say so you've taken a sunset shot and there's a, a silhouette or something in the foreground. Open up the shadows, and you'll see all this detail. Um, see all this detail appear. If the photo was really under or overexposed, or had a big dynamic range, chances are that if you shoot in RAW, you can recover that detail without too much detriment to the image quality. White balance is another area where RAW really excels. When your camera captures captures a RAW file, it doesn't try and apply any white balance. So again. Because of the lack of compression in the file format, you can apply any white balance in post-processing and it will not affect the quality of the final image. So that's the argument for RAW. It's pure uncompressed data from your camera sensor and it gives you the most elbow room for adjustments in post-processing. Sure, the files are big and you have to spend time working on, but if you want ultimate quality, then RAW could be for you. Now, JPEG. JPEG's the image format that transformed transform the world. Almost every image you see on the web is a JPEG. And without JPEGs, we wouldn't have services like Flickr and 500px or photo sharing on Facebook and Twitter. Because what JPEG does is it's an algorithm for making photographs smaller. So when your camera is set to capture images in the JPEG format, it also looks at the settings you've chosen, your white balance, your picture style, sharpening, contrast, etc., and replies those to the photo, then compresses the data that makes the photo to make it smaller and easier to handle. Unfortunately, to do this, it has to throw some data away. I mean, think, think about you taking a landscape shot with a nice blue sky. And so the JPEG algorithm looks at that sky and says, well, that pixel there is blue, and that one next to it is blue, and the one to the upper right is blue. So we don't need to record all those individual pixels. We only need to record that one, and it works through the photo that way. Which means that JPEGs are much smaller than RAW files. So when you're shooting JPEG, your camera will operate faster. Um, you know, your buffer won't fill up quite as long. You'll be able to shoot in continuous um, shooting mode. You know, for long bursts. And because the uh, Uh, effects are applied to the uh, JPEGs by your camera you'll have to find that JPEGs can be perfect out of the camera and you might only need to add minor tweaks in post-processing. JPEGs will look sharper have more contrast and saturation and are generally punchier than the RAW equivalents if you were to look at them side by side and that's because the camera has applied the post-processing if you like pre-processing in camera uh, before it saves it to your SD card. With JPEGs you can fit more photos on your camera memory, more on your computer's hard drive and it's the format you'll want to upload to the web. But there is a downside to JPEGs and that's the very compression that makes them such a useful file format in the first place. Because your white balance, sharpness and style settings are baked into the image, when the camera squashes down the file by throwing away some of that data, it means that if you want to do... Severe changes to the photo and post-processing you can really affect the quality uh, in the wrong way You won't be able to recover as many highlights or shadows um, And if you got the white balance wrong when you took the photo Sure, you, you can recover a JPEG, but it won't look as good as the same raw file You know, you'll start to see artifacts you'll start to see banding and loss of detail and tone Because typically JPEGs are recorded. They have eight bits of color depth in them where RAW files could be 10, 12, 14, 16 bits of colour depth. So there's so much more information in a RAW file. So, you know, with JPEGs you lose that elbow room for adjustments um, that you have with RAW. But you gain speed, convenience and time. You don't have to spend quite as long fiddling with your photos in post-processing. So what's the best format to shoot in? Well, of course, as ever... It depends on what type of photography you're doing. And the smart photographer switches between the two depending on the situation they're in. If you're shooting any type of event where you'll be taking lots of photos in good light, then JPEG is perfect. Say you're uh, you're at a sports event or a family gathering or a wedding, then the speed that JPEG gives you will be a no-brainer. However, if you're in a situation where you're not taking that many photos, say you're on a photo walk or you're in a tricky lighting situation, or if quality is of the highest necessity, say you're on a magazine shoot, a commercial shoot, then the power of RAW will be for you. Let's say you're doing a wedding, you're going through the group shots, you shoot JPEG because it's fast and it will save time in post. But then the light gets tricky. You want to make sure you get all the detail in the bride's dress, so you switch to raw. Another example could be you're at a family barbecue. So you shoot JPEGs of the kids running around and the people having a good time. But then you change to raw when you want to do some quality portraits of the old folks for posterity. Um, let's say you're doing some wildlife and there's a bird you know, sitting on a tree half a mile away. So you shoot in raw to get all that detail because you're going to have to zoom in a long way. But then there's some birds flying around and flying backwards and forwards towards you. You switch to JPEG because you know in JPEG mode, your camera will can operate in birth mode for a lot longer than in RAW. So there's more chance of you capturing that special image. I think if you're new to photography, um, well, you're new to DSLRs, then I would say keep shooting JPEGs until you're very happy with post-processing and the challenges that post-processing brings. Because the disappointment of taking a RAW photograph, looking at it on the back of your camera and going, that looks great, and then looking at it on your computer and going, actually, that doesn't look as good as something I could take with my camera phone, can really put you off. So shoot with JPEG till you're happy with post-processing, and then flick to RAW when you see the power, and you can appreciate and control the power that RAW gives you. So there you have it. In the debate between RAW versus JPEG, there isn't a winner, because both file formats complement each other full size high quality jpegs for speed and convenience and raw for ultimate quality use the one that works for the photography situation you're in okay new photo assignment so there was fantastic work went into last month's um with the world in black and white but now it's time for a new one and this one is called kept in the dark which is about night photography so go over to the robinsonphoto.com flickr group there's uh Links over on robnumphoto.com in the show notes for SCL244. And stick your photos in the pool. And over the next couple of days, I'll fire up a new thread for night photography photos. And if you want to, remember these assignments mirror the uh, Amateur Photographer of the Year competition. So you can always fire one of your photos over to that as well. And that's it for me for this week. Um, Thanks for everybody for participating in the Flickr group and putting their photos. photos in the flicker pool and taking part in the assignments thanks for everybody sending me questions please if you've got ideas suggestions or feedback email me scalespeeder at gmail.com check remember to check out techpodcast.com uh, the scl is part of the tech podcast network um but most of all i'd like to thank you for downloading and listening to the podcast my name is rob from romlandphoto.com and hopefully pretty soon i'll see you on Flickr.